33%. And it was the backside of Brandon Moore that knocked the ball. How does this keep happening? Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets and not some slap team. The Jets, that's not going to go that smooth. The same way I feel about your Jets making the playoffs or even being competitive in December, sir. Without it, I am ready to get hurt again. Oh, some things never change. Manny, it is uh, post-week one, and I am here celebrating another loss. How did week one go for you, Manny? Uh, it went amazing. It went amazing. And, um, you know, coming into it, I know that we both picked the Jets to win last week because we both expected more. Now, granted, I expected more out of my team, and my team didn't live up to expectations, but they got the dub. Unfortunately, the New York Jets did not. And Danny, like I was saying uh, in the studio before we came live, um, I hope you're bringing a lot more heat than the New York Jets brought this past week to the Baltimore Ravens. Well, luckily, our coach is keeping receipts. And, uh, you know, is, we got is, that going for us. Is that where you want to start? Do you want to start with Robert, Robert Salah keeping receipts, Danny? Yeah, no. You know what? A lot of people made a, a big deal about it. At first... I'm going to tell you what the issue is. I like when a coach speaks that way because okay. I feel like the players come out and they're like, you know what? He has my back. He's almost like standing in front of the team. Like for the last day or two, nobody's been talking too much about Joe Flacco or anybody. They're talking about Rob Sala. So he took all the attention. He's taking all the bullets. So I kind of like that. But I like it when it comes from somebody like Rex Ryan where they were winning and then you say something like that, but then he backs it up with more winning. Rob Sala, you know what he's done so far? He came in as a defensive head coach, and guess what? Our defense was ranked last year. What was it ranked? Dead, it was dead last. Oof. So you you can't come out and not produce and then tell me, I'm going to take receipts. No, no, no. You got to prove it first. And you can't be criticizing us Jets fans for being frustrated when we've been frustrated for years, and you're not doing anything to help that. I think that you're being a little unfair. And, yes, this is coming from the Dolphins fans saying that. And the reason I say that is – because, correct me if I'm wrong, his la last year was his first year, right? So, look, coaching is the only... Wait, wait. Sport, no, football is the only sport where coaching matters. And if you have I a agree. shitty roster, you should be able to scheme out your way out of the bottom. I think that's straight bullshit. And I'm sorry that I'm start starting with the curse words already, but I think that's straight bullshit. And I'm not trying to defend the Jets. Fuck the Jets. But I am going to say that the guy needs his time to implement his scheme into the team. And that just doesn't happen in one season where you guys, who the f is on your team? You don't have a bunch of people who are like, oh my God, big name pro bowlers. You don't have that. You still don't have that. And I, I think, I think it's, I like that he said he's keeping receipts, Danny, because guess what? When he has the players he wants on his team and when that scheme starts, he clicking, has them now. All right, it's only one game, and you're already shitting on your coach? Because he refuses to start Mike White, but we'll get into that later. All right, all right, all right. But so, look, I don't, want, I don't want to get too much into last year, but I yes. do think that even though – I have to go back and look at it. And I'm going to go back, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to see who the 32nd-ranked defensive team was every year and see if it was a defensive head coach that ran that team. Because Fair I think that that's ridiculous. We'll have that but, for episode three. But – Yes, it was, it's only week one. I think that the defense already looks miles better than they did last year. Okay. So, obviously, players are better. Defense looks better. And then the offense, Joe Flacco. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Now, again, you and I both thought 
that we'd see a different version of the New York Jets show up to play the Baltimore Ravens. Fair. You guys were at home. September 11th. Emotions are high. But you know what? Emotion gets you just so far. When you have, and I don't want to start with the positive. I want to start with the negative first. Let's All not right. talk about let's not talk about your New York Jets defense. Let's talk about your New York Jets offense, which, if to put it freaking mildly, was a no show. But I think it's unfair again to just pin it all on one player. You want to know why? You can pin a lot of it on Joe Flacco, but guess what? Correct me if I'm wrong. The Baltimore Ravens defense is pretty solid, right? I'm not going to say great, but they are pretty solid. You, uh, fair or not? Fair. Okay. So from what I caught, because I caught the 14-minute collapsed version of the game, the guy would hand off. The, the running backs got, got some space and got out of there, right? But every single time he dropped back, it's not like if he had a six seconds to throw the ball. And I get it. You ha- you got to get rid of that ball three to four seconds after it snapped. I get that. But it felt a lot of time like if I was watching Brian Tannehill's first two years. And what I mean is, as soon as he was saying hike, the Baltimore Ravens were in his face. And I get it. The guy doesn't move. But that this is alludes to the fact of what you want, which is this is why you want the younger Mike White on the team. So, again, yes, shit on Joe Flacco. The guy is old as hell. He can't move anymore. But I think that if your offensive line did play a bit better, it wouldn't have looked as bad. Give me your take. I I, I agree. The left side of our, of our offensive line looked absolutely abysmal. George Fant gave up pressures left and right. Lankin Tomlinson, which was our, our Pro Bowl free agent signing, supposed to sure up this offensive line, gave up eight pressures. Like yep. It looked really bad. So I get it. Joe Flacco didn't have time. And when he did have time, he did look decent. Decent. We'll but, give him decent. But but if this offensive line is going to look this way, Joe Flacco isn't going to give us anything that Mike White isn't going to give us already. If what I'm getting out of Joe Flacco is a pick and no third down conversions until the end of the fourth quarter, I can get that from Mike White. So let me just get Mike White instead. Maybe he'll do something when he scrambles out of the pocket, which, by the way, he's not necessarily the most mobile quarterback either. But if I'm going to get the same amount of production regardless, let me get Mike White in there. But, but yes, I agree. I agree that Joe Flacco can't take the whole blame because the offensive line was really poor. And I think, I mean, I guess we can get into it. The fact well, that Garrett Wilson was barely in the game in the first half. Get into it. really frustrating because. You tweeted he, about he, it. You his, tweeted about it his, during the game yes. as well. Well, first of all, we had a drive going. And then Corey Davis dropped the third down uh catch i mean he was thrown a little bit behind them but he should have caught it that could have changed the first quarter it could have changed the first half and who knows the outcome of the game because you get momentum going right. but when you start dropping balls that way it kills momentum and then we had that followed up by a missed field goal a fumble like it, the first half couldn't have gone any worse and then you get Garrett wilson he catches this one pass the first pass that he catches and he makes nine yards out of absolutely nothing out of nothing and you see he jumps out at you he's like you know what this guy needs to get the ball in his hands and what happens he gets thrown on the bench until the second half basically maybe he might have gotten out there for a couple more snaps but for he for the most part the first half you didn't see the kid and it's ridiculous they came out and they played this this um this 13 uh i forgot what they call it but it's basically they play with three tight ends and one receiver and a running back it's basically a, a goal line formation, and they're playing this, I guess, to help with the run. 
But that thing didn't do anything for us. They eventually got out of it. But Jesus Christ, I don't understand what the thought process was with that with that game plan. Before before I I, I harp on this, and yes, he, he definitely deserves 13 to be in personnel. the game. Thirteen personnel. Thirteen personnel. I'm sorry. He definitely deserves to be in the game. I'm definitely in agreement with you. But I do want to give you some kudos. You said, and I quote, Tyler Conklin is going to be somebody who somebody you should potentially look at come fantasy was. And I'm not talking fantasy per se, but the, the one thing I did like Braxton Berrios was targeted six times, caught the ball five times, 37 yards. I like that because guess what? Coming into the season, we knew that that's what Braxton Berrios is going to be. He's going to be a guy who's going to catch short, get you quick first downs. He wasn't going to break down the field on you, you know. Um, Tyler Conklin, he did catch a touchdown in the – no, I'm sorry. He did not catch – did he catch a touchdown? I want to yes, say he, he did. Yeah, he did catch a touchdown in the game. And you also said that Tyler Conklin was going to be one of those guys, you know, take a look at. But the fun part about this is they tag, they targeted Braxton Barrels eight times. They targeted Conklin seven times during that game. Um, and again, one of those came with a touchdown. So it's not like you guys weren't trying to pass the ball, but it alludes back to the fact that your offensive line playing atrocious. And the times that he did have the opportunity to get the ball out, he was trying to get it the ball open. To, he was trying to get the ball to those people who got open. And Braxton Barrels was one of those. And Tyler Conklin was also one of those. So again, Kudos to you for picking those two players that there were going to be people who do get a heavy dose of targets. But again, your boy Garrett Wilson d does need to get on the field. Who knows the reason why he was subbed? I'm sorry, why he was subbed all the way up until the second half. You'll get, I guess, we'll see more if, if that stays true when we play when you play the Cleveland Browns coming up here on Sunday. But let's talk about your the, the positive now. Sauce Gardner. Can we start calling him Sauce? Because he had the job to shut down the Baltimore Ravens' number one offensive weapon, Mark Andrews. And I'm going to tell you right now, he did a fucking bang-up job doing that in his first ever game against one of the better tight ends in the NFL. What was your view on overall Sauce Gardner and then also this Jets defense? Well, I, the defensive line looked amazing. And if we're talking Sauce Gardner, he only had one catch like when he was the primary defender. So Mark Andrews, basically, whenever Sauce was on him, was basically shut down. And DJ Reed on the other side, he was the highest-rated cornerback in the league this week. So our defensive backs, I want to say they did a great job, especially because Sauce was also manned up on the tight end. But when you think about it, for the most part, Lamar Jackson doesn't really throw out to the outsides too much. right? It's all up the middle. So that one 55-yard pass play, it was just miscommunication with, with Joyner and, and Sauce. Um, the defensive line was getting pressure, which is what we've been lacking for so many years. Yeah. And if you look at the snap count for the defensive line, like they said that they were going to rotate the defensive line, but like it's crazy. Most of those players were averaging about between 18 and like 20 to 23 snaps. Like they're going to come in fresh and they're going to be coming after the quarterback. So I really like that. I like the fact that we stopped the run because the Ravens are a very run-heavy offense, and they allowed 60-something yards, 68, 67 yards the whole game. Like, I felt like the defense played a great game. Now, we had a couple lapses, obviously. One lapse was a long pass interference, which led them into the red zone where they got that one touchdown on, uh, on Bryce Hall. Then they had the miscommunication between Sauce and Joyner, which led to the 55-yard but I'm going to tell you, the Jets were shooting themselves in the foot because before the Ravens scored that 55-yard touchdown, they forced a fumble. 
they had four Jets players basically staring at the ball. And somehow a Ravens player came up with it anyway. So you go from forcing a fumble and possibly getting the ball back in Ravens territory, but instead the Ravens recover it, and then you give up a 55-yard touchdown. So I felt like the Jets had opportunities. The Ravens, Coach Sala said it best. And I know some people gave him shit for it, but he said, they didn't beat us. We lost that game because we had a lot of opportunities. We, I, I felt there were two big plays, that pass interference play and the 55-yard touchdown play. Other than that, I really don't feel like the Ravens asserted their dominance for by any means. And that's why I think that the Dolphins have a great chance coming up to beat them because I, the Ravens didn't impress me this week. I, I think it's fair that if you didn't watch the game and you just looked at stats, Lamar Jackson, 213 yards passing, three touchdowns. Um, he Something you alluded to was he looked like he wasn't trying to run the ball. He only had six attempts for 17 yards. And here's my point of view, and I know we don't, we don't have to talk Baltimore Ravens, but kind of allude to why I think that is. The Jets' strength is their front seven, I would say, not mm-hmm. necessarily their back end. So coming into the game, they're like, Lamar, if there is a game where you're going to have to show us that you could pass the ball, it's probably against the New York Jets, against rookie corners, first-year starters, so on and so forth. This is probably going to be the game to do that. Secondly, a big thing about Lamar Jackson, now that the contract talks are dead until the next offseason, is the reason he's getting knocked and not getting the money he needs is because people don't believe him as a passer. You know that I am a big proponent of not believing him as a passer, and I still don't believe him regardless of what he put against the Jets. Yeah, the numbers look nice, but again, if you watch the game, you'll see that it's a lot more than, oh, he was chewing our asses down the field. That wasn't the case. It was one bomb here due to a mistake, another pass interference that let him down the field, and boom, you have three easy touchdowns. I think that's the majority of it. But again, I really liked what the Jets' defense brought, and that's what I took away from the game. Uh, Yeah, the Jets, look, we're not going to end up in 32nd this year, okay? You can tell that this defense is going to be a lot better just with the pass rush with Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson. With the defensive backs, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, they, they look really good. And this kid, Reed, got a lot of crap for celebrating an interception late in the fourth quarter after the game was basically over. But we found out it's because his dad had passed away that morning. So, you know, a lot of people went back on their words. Um, but, man, these two are going to be studs on the outside. Now, our safeties looked a little iffy. That I'll give them. But um, I, I feel really good about the defense. We just need the offense to step up. So there wasn't a lot of negative, again, to talk about the defense. But, Danny... You particularly said, I want to talk about this. There was nothing special about Mm. special teams. What's your hot take on that? Why did the defense give up so many points if they were playing good? Simple. One, they were on the field a lot because the offense wasn't doing anything. And two, the field position. The Ravens were starting and with great field position constantly. We had Braden Mann, our punter. He had a 20-yard punt that on the TV, it literally looked like he kicked it sideways, like he didn't kick it forward. It was really bad. It, it, and was then, it Did it have anything to do with the wins at MetLife? I heard that's a big thing out there. No, no. Supposedly, he's having some back issues, which uh, – Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Convenient. And then you have Greg the Leg, Zerloin, which <laughs> – to, I cannot understand why this guy is on the team. Yeah. We had Eddie Pinheiro, Sunset High, right? We went to Sunset High with him. 
not with him, but way, way ahead it, of it, the time. But he's yes. he's he's an alum from the Sunset Knights. Yes, it, it it makes no sense to me how Greg Zerloin beat this kid out. I don't care how training camp went. Look at last season, Greg the leg missed six extra points last year. If you miss six extra points in a season, you, you should, should no longer be, be in the NFL. I don't care what your nickname is. Eddie Pinheiro, you know what? Last year, he didn't miss a kick. He missed he one extra point, but he was perfect from field goals. And yes, guess what? I, I, what team is it that he's on? I think he might be on the Falcons. I forgot what team he ended up on. But you know, he had a perfect Sunday. You know who didn't have a perfect Sunday? Greg, Greg the leg. Yep. Greg the leg missed a field goal. Oh, and guess what? We, we scored a touchdown. You want to know how we ended up with nine points, though, even though we scored a touchdown? Because he missed an extra point. Because that's what he does. He missed six of them last year. What a surprise. He misses the first one he takes this year. How do you feel about a shitty offense that finally gets into the end zone and then you miss the extra point? You know how pissed I'm going to be if that happens again next week? I, 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 I'm I okay with Rob Sala. But there's a certain point where you got to stop backing some of your players. I do get you it. Think- one. Okay, I get it. Week one, let's give Joe Flacco week two. I wouldn't do it, but I get, I understand it. Do you okay. think Robert Sala is keeping, um, keeping receipts as well on his own players? Like, what I mean by that is something you alluded to, Greg Zerline. If you go out there and you start missing another shitload of kicks, is he keeping receipts in the ass of the, I need to start looking for somebody else? He better. Now, he did it last year. We had like 37 kickers last year. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I, 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 I think that he would do it with the kicker. With the punter, I'm not sure why. Because our punter last year was horrible, and this year he doesn't look much better. Okay. Well, we talked about the good. We talked about the bad. At the end of the day... We talked um, about the special. We talked about the special, or the lack of special, I should I should say. Yeah. Uh, but, but for the most part, um, we need to move ahead, right? Because we can't yeah. dwell on the past. Because, Danny, it's a long season. And we're not trying to be corny with that. We're not trying to coin a phrase here that's been used a thousand times, but it is a damn long season. Uh, there's plenty of teams that have lost week one and then got better down the road. So let's look ahead, no pun intended. New York Jets, Cleveland Browns. I believe you're on the road this week. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, sir. All right. So we, we get to debut that that stupid elf in the middle of their field. Yeah, yeah. So let's look ahead. And right now, Wow. Right now, the Cleveland Browns are a 75% favorite to beat the New York Jets this upcoming Sunday. That is, like by, that is by ESPN. But one of the quick points before we start discussing this game is this point right here. Flacco starting, but why? We want the great white hype at quarterback. Danny, I'm going to kind of segue this one into, into you because one of, the, one of our preseason topics when we talked about who you want Joe Flacco Mike White to start. You said, I think we've seen what we've seen out of Joe Flacco. If we need him to come in, he'd be a great backup quarterback. But we need to see what we have in Mike White. And I was a big believer in that. I I think that you hit the nail on the head with that. I think, this is just my belief. We know that Zach Wilson is coming back week four, right? Yep. No, I think it's going to be week five. But yeah, week four is the, the earliest. That's a projection. So week four to week five. Week five against my Miami Dolphins. But let's say that it is week five. I personally believe in this. You tell me what you feel. I personally believe that Joe Flacco has another horrendous game the way he did this previous week, regardless of O-line being atrocious or not. I think that you do have a fair shot of seeing Mike week, Mike White in either week two or week three and week four until Zach Wilson is healthy just to see what you do have in Mike White. So that's my positive thinking about it. But 
elude me because this is your topic. Why is Joe Flacco starting and not Mike White? Well, my understanding is that coaches feel more confident with the veteran at quarterback, right? Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. Whether I like him or not, he is the Super Bowl winning MVP. But he hasn't won a game in the last 10. In the last 20 starts he has, he's 3-17. and 17. So why anybody expect him to start winning games now? I'm not really sure. I, I've succumbed to the fact that he's going to play. That's fine. But he has to have a short leash. Because like I said in the beginning of this episode, if what he's giving me is an interception and no third down conversions for the first half, I can get that from – you don't think Mike White's fine? That's fine. If you don't think Mike White is fine, it's, it's good. But I bet you Mike White can also throw an interception and get me no third down conversions. So if he's going to give me the same production that Joe Flacco, let me get Mike White. Last year, he played well against the Bengals. He played well against the Colts. He had one bad game against the Buffalo Bills. And, and you, know what, you, you, you know why I think that he played that bad game against the Buffalo Bills? He went into that game injured. He got injured against Indianapolis, and he played injured against Buffalo. And you know yep. why he played injured against Buffalo? Because in the NFL, you only have so many chances. And yep. he knew that if he sat out too long, his chance was going to go away. So he went in and he played injured. He threw those four picks. He did it. He lost his job because of it. But I understand why he went and did it. I want to see him play. Give him a chance. And and I agree with you. So real quickly, let's run this down. Uh, Key injuries. Jordan Whitehead, John Franklin Myers, George Fant. Questionable. Uh, Obviously, Zach Wilson's out. Braxton Bear is also questionable. I think he's going to play. I don't think there's any doubt in that. Um, okay. As far as the Browns go, Jack Conklin, questionable. I think he's also going to play. But here's where I want to touch on before we start heading into um, who we got and our prediction. Jacoby Brissett, 18 of 34, 147, one touchdown in week one. Decent numbers, right? It's Jacoby right. Brissett. Nothing, nothing terrible about that. But here's the other one. Nick Chubb, 22 carries, 141. Kareem Hunt looked amazing coming out of the backfield, catching balls out the backfield. People's Jones, six catches, 60 yards. Like I said, your weakness is in the backfield. I think your front seven has a higher probability of stopping. So let's go ahead and predict the game. Pause. Not stopping, but slowing down Kareem Hunt. And then you guys need to shore up the back end. So let's go ahead and predict it. Danny, my guess is at a 75% prediction to your 24, I don't believe in Jacoby Brissett. So it's it's all about matchups, right? So mm-hmm. Joe Flacco versus the Browns defense, your defense versus the Browns offense. I think it's a close game, but unfortunately, I'm going to go towards the Browns. I think they win 20. I think you guys put up 13, and that's going to be the final of that game. I I can I can see why you say what you're saying. Though I think our defense will stop their running game. Everybody was praising Jacoby Brissett for not losing the game, but nobody Correct. was giving him credit for actually doing winning. anything. Of course, right, for winning it. So I think that our defense can stop their offense. The question is going to be: Is what does Joe Flacco do when he has Miles Garrett and Davion Clowney closing in on him? So that's going to be the question. I honestly believe that Mike White sees the game in the second half, and I think Mike White wins the game for us. Ooh! So that, that is my prediction. That is my prediction. My prediction is that he comes in and we win the game seventeen fourteen. I like it. Low scoring. I like it. Low scoring. Oh, we suggest we ain't scoring a lot of points. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my, my prediction, sir. All right. Well, you heard it here first. That was the Batter Jets fans' prediction of who we got for this upcoming Sunday. While you're watching this clip, if you want to drop your predictions in the comments, drop them. 
we'll, we'll always going to come back and talk about them next week. But Danny, sure. it was my pleasure to join you again in the Battered Jets Fans Podcast Episode 2 show. Mr. Battered Jet fan himself, I am the Bearded Fanatic. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Episode 3, Deuces.